Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on now. Yeah. We're on episode 191. You want to redo that? No, we can keep that. You want to keep that? Let's keep that. All Let's right. keep it real. Well, you know what kind of threw us off, I think? We were just like randomly talking and then we both just turned to the camera and started. Like we never even told each other like we're starting. Mm. We just started. Yeah, because that's how we go. That's how we do. <laughs> that's how we do we it. We just make it happen. So, hey, well, hey, here's the interesting thing. The last episode, I, you know, I mentioned in the beginning, like sometimes you do episodes and you think they're great. And then other times you do episodes and you're like, I don't know. And then there's other episodes you're like, yeah, I wish we never recorded that right but we spent the hour and a half and we're like might as well so the last one i really walked away thinking i don't know if what we were trying to say translated well in the in the podcast but you guys let us know that it, it really did like you it really helped a lot of you or and reinforced ideas that you knew or and, and you know it allowed you to kind of be res uh let's see oh man i'm fumbling my words today is it because it's late could be yeah okay it allowed people to reflect on their business and see how they do things. And it also encouraged a lot of people that, hey, if you're staying in your lane and you're doing things well, there's no need to pivot, right? Keep doing what you're doing. And once you learn a new skill, then it's okay to pivot. Anyways, I wanted to share that I was grateful for all the feedback because sometimes just getting that feedback is really encouraging, right? Because I seriously, like, I walked away and I was at home and I'm like, I didn't even want to look at how many people listened. I didn't even want to look at the comments the next morning on that episode because I, I didn't I didn't think it was that great because not because the content wasn't great. I just think that night I felt like we weren't able to eloquently speak what we were trying to say. All right. Well, I mean, that happens, right? It happens sometimes, <laughs> but it turned out okay, right? People people liked it, and I think that uh, you know, one of the things the podcast that we always try and do is is to be real and and relevant and. You know, sometimes when we're real, it's not as uh, polished and fancy and we we have never aimed to be, you know, that fake. And I think people see through that. And so, you know, we always try to just bring the content that we have and discuss things. And because, you know, we're now 191 episodes in, you know, sometimes we're going to be, you know, way out in left field talking about things or we're going to be like reiterating things we've already talked about before. Uh, but no matter what, we're always anchoring it back down into what's most important. And that is finding ways to level up your life, finding ways to improve what you're doing. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I'm excited for this episode. We're going to be finishing our Q and a that we started what episode 189, I think. Yep. Just we, last Sunday. Yeah. Last Sunday. So we are, uh, we'll, we'll finish our book, our level up review for, uh, how to win friends and influence people, uh, maybe next Sunday, or maybe after that, I don't know, we might have an interview here coming up. Uh, but either way, we're excited to finish this question and answer. Uh, and we're also really excited. We've had great response. People uh, doing the buy me a coffee. Uh, we are so grateful for everybody who's decided to chip in, partner with Pure Hustle Podcast, be a Pure Hustle, part, Pure Hustle Podcast partner, and uh, <laughs> buy, thanks, Mr. buy us a coffee, um, which is a great little program you can use. You can click on the link. And you know, a lot of people are doing like a $5 monthly membership. Some people are just doing like one-time a gift, but those things are, are really helping us keep going and keep doing what we're doing. Uh, and so, you know, if you're doing that, if you're if you're listening to the show and there's things you like and, and want more of, just let us know. Uh, you know, we're open to continue to mold the show into something that's going to be most beneficial to you, the listener. Uh, so again, so grateful for your support. And uh, yeah. So again, go to buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle or go to the link below. Also, you can find it in the link in our bio on all our social media platforms. 
And with that said, let's start episode 191. We have 10 more. Is it 10 more questions? It's somewhere, somewhere around there that we got to get through. Uh, I think the numbering's off. I'm looking at the numbering. It's classic Orlando right there. So, yeah. so it's okay. But hey, here's the deal. What I loved was on the last one, people actually corrected some things, which was great, right? Somebody had mentioned like on Amazon that you could actually use a padded priority, which I was always using and then somehow it disappeared. And someone had mentioned, if you can see on the comments here who it was, I can't remember at the moment, had mentioned that if you put the right dimensions, it'll come up. Hmm. So that's good because now when I ship stuff out, I'm going to be more careful about my dimensions and maybe you got to tweak things a little bit here and there to get that option. So that was really helpful. There also was, you know, this discussion, you know, about individuals and, and, you know, how, how returns and prices and all these things. And this conversation continued on later on in the DMS and on the social media platforms. It was just, it was really good because, you know, we all have questions and in reselling, you don't know what you don't know, right? That's the worst part about it. Right. I mean, we'll talk about this on our Wednesday episode about item specifics gate oof. part D. Right. <laughs> it, right. We went through the same. I actually was looking through our episodes. We actually had a specific episode just for that last year. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing. eBay put that in writing. It's actually in the fall seller update. But uh, even our own episode, we kind of just glossed over it. Mm. Right. But again, there's no way to actually get to things unless there's someone out there in the community that has answers. So hopefully we have some of the answers that you need for the questions today. And if we don't let us know in the comments, if you have a different perspective, let us know. I've always said this in reselling. There's a lot of different ways to do things. Some things are just very clear, right? Buy low, sell high. That's pr probably the safest way to make your business run. But you know, there's other things like shipping, you know, ways to budget your money, you know, bookkeeping, how do I price things? Should I do returns? Like all those, those are, you know, those are fluid, right? It all depends on the, on, on the business model that you have. And so hopefully this episode, we're presenting what we know to be true, what works for us, but it may not be the end all authority. So I want to be clear on that. All right, let's go to the first question. Yeah. All right. So our first question here, pretty easy question is asking about do you use a P.O. box or actually they were not even asking about P.O. box. They're asking, do you have a, yeah, they were asking, do you have a P.O. box for your Amazon account address since they list it out in the open now? So I, I, so Mike doesn't have Amazon, but he, we do have our pure hustle podcast, right? Box. And you know, sometimes we share them and that's usually when we sell a shirt, that's the address that we use, right? That's our, that's our base. Uh, and so I've also used that for my Amazon sometimes. Right. But I had to, I switched things up because as a result of this, right, we get, you got to keep things separate, right? You got to keep things separate. And, and what I mean by that is it's good to have a separate box and have your home address, right? On multiple levels, right? I, I'm really a big privacy advocate, even though I think once we have cell phones, we all throw away our privacy. I think that's done forever. But as far as Amazon and other sellers knowing where you live or other buyers knowing where you live, it gets interesting. So I like having a completely separate address, right? Then the PRSO podcast, then, you know, even my eBay, like I like to keep them separate. And so with Amazon, I actually do have a box address, 
right? So, and it's different and it's worked. It's been fine. I know other people have said PO box works too. I would double check on that, but I'm pretty sure that's fine. Let us know in the comments. If PO box has worked for you, I'm good with that too. The other thing I'll say that's not related to this is you should definitely get a box because it's really helpful. If you're doing Amazon, you're doing online arbitrage. It's great to have a place that people can drop it off. Even if you have a ring at home, right? It, there's always a possibility that people are just going to disguise themselves and steal your packages. Like, you know what I mean? But if you have a box, right? Especially specifically at a UPS store, right? Ours, ours are at a UPS store. So it's really nice because at that UPS store, right? They look over your merch. They know who you are, that you can trust these individuals. You know, they'll text you. It's very, it's a very different way of doing things. And if I go away on vacation, I don't stress about stuff because I know my stuff is safe. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. And I would just say like, part of it's going to be the level of, of reselling your app. If you're already doing Amazon, then you're, you're probably beyond this point and you should, you know, that's a good idea. I think to have a box, a separate box. Uh, but if you're just starting out and reselling, you're doing eBay, maybe you go for a little while selling from your home address. Uh, but once you start taking your business more seriously, I, I think it's just a little bit more, um, more business like to have a separate bank account, right? It's, it's easier to keep track of all of that, uh, all of your, all of your accounting, all of that, if it's in a separate bank account, have a separate address, right? And that can be as simple as a UPS store or ours is a place, they have places all over in California called Postal Annex. I think they're all over the, the country, but other places like that, that are like a UPS store where you can have packages dropped off and you can use them as a service to, you know, send stuff out. And so it's really helpful, I think. And it's a little, it can add that professional touch. Uh, so instead of it just going to a home address for your return address, especially because as you start to get bigger, you're, you may not want that. Same thing if you started a website, right? You have to pay a little bit more to make it where they can't see your actual home address. Uh, but but doing those little things add that touch of professionalism. And if you want to be more professional, do those little things that are more professional. There you go. So we, we initially answered it. It was a simple yes, no question. But hopefully I gave you other things to think about. All right. Our next one is, what's the best way to get started with reselling arbitrage? I'll let you get started with this one because you just started two years ago. Yeah. So um, I think for me personally, it was really nice to start on eBay. We always talk about eBay being a great platform to start on. To start on eBay with selling things in my house that I was just going to get rid of anyways, that I kind of didn't really want anymore because it let me test the waters. It let me figure out, okay, how do I take pictures? How do I do a listing? You get a certain number of free listings um, when you first start off and it allow, it starts opening up like eBay, the doors open up quickly. But once you get like three or four listings and some sales, then all of a sudden you can have more listings, you can have more and it starts to open the doors for you. Um, and so just sell a few things around your house. That way, if you make mistakes, it's not really anything that's going to hurt you. Um, and it gets you some of that feedback. You can get, you know, learn some shipping stuff. And then I would say going to thrift stores and garage sales is great because you can go with a set. You got $20 in your pocket. You're not going to spend more than that. You're just starting out. You want to learn a few things, spend a bunch of time research. We, we have a whole episode. Research is key, right? That's the most important thing. Do a bunch of research, but don't be afraid when you're starting out. You don't have to go out there having already researched everything about a, a certain niche or, or uh, all of the niches, just do some of the research out in the field. Go to a garage sale and spend half hour, an hour at one garage sale and just look up sold comps and you'll slowly start to see trends, what's selling, what's not selling and take it slow, right? So take it slow. Be Don't be afraid to make a few mistakes, but do it with small amount of money. I would say it's probably a really bad idea to go buy a pallet 
you know, day one, you've never sold anything before. You, you don't know how to do all the shipping, but if you're just that starting would be out, wild. Yeah. <laughs> but, but just go and, and go with whatever you're okay with losing. Consider it like, like if you were to go take a, a college course, you're going to spend thousands of dollars. You're going to spend tons of money on books. You're going to spend tons of money on tuition. So consider your first couple of months, like a course, consider it that you're paying a certain amount and you're probably, if you're doing it right, going to end up reaping the benefits and starting to build some capital that you can invest more, but you're going to have a few losses. You're going to realize, oh man, I, I bought something and I undercharged shipping or I bought stuff that's not going to end up selling. Well, you would have paid a thousand dollars or $10,000 to take a, a, a course somewhere. So let this be your course, but don't go crazy right off the bat, right? Go for, go with 20 bucks, go with a hundred dollars, go to a thrift store, go to a garage sale and, uh, and, and just practice and don't think that you're going to be there next month. Look long-term, right? Where get 10% better every month until you're at a place where you can say, wow, I can now consider going full-time if I wanted to, it's not going to happen overnight. So just consider everything. It's all research in the beginning. Don't be afraid to research and, and spend time and you're not losing out on money because you're trying to gain knowledge. Yeah. And I'll share my own journey real quick, like in two minutes. Before I do that, though, if you go to episodes 120, parts one and two, it's a top 10 first thing you should do when starting on eBay. And it applies e-commerce wide, right? Whether I mean, it's specific to eBay, but some of the same principles apply, whether it's Poshmark or Mercari or even Amazon, which is a little different, but some of the same concepts are there. Now, when I first started, the very first thing, I'll never forget. I remember going to garage sales with my buddies. I've shared the story in episode one. So thank you to all of you that bared, you know, your ears. I don't know if that is that. Can you say that bared your ears? Like you bare your soul? Can you say bare your ears? Probably not. Anyways. Let me, let me ponder that for a little bit. Okay. Well, anyways, you're willing to listen to episode one. In episode one, I shared that story where myself and my two friends at $20. And we said, Hey, we're going to see how far this $20 goes over the year. Well, here's the thing. The very first thing that helped me was one of my friends said, Hey, check out the sold comps on eBay. Right. And like Mike said, that is the very first thing you should do. And whether it's at a garage sale where it's a thrift store, even the simplicity of doing it at home, that's the first thing you should do. You need to get used to that. You need to get used to the different filters. There's different filters about highest price plus shipping. There's also the most recent, which tells you how much stuff recently sold for. Because for example, you may have a hot item and you check for highest price. It may give you the highest price, but that's what it was three months ago. If you were to check last week, that price could have dropped immensely. So you got to make sure that the information that you're getting is relevant. And, you know, Mike and I have gone back and forth. I'm also a big fan of using your own money to buy stuff. You could sell stuff around your house. I think that's good. But I think you take things more seriously when it comes out of your pocket. And of course, this has to be money that you have to be willing to lose, as Mike said. Right. But the biggest thing to not do. And I did this at the very beginning of, you know, doing this contest with my friends was I bought stuff that I thought was cool. So, for example, I bought a, do you say it's a Varsky, Swarsky, wherever those crystal I, things are? I didn't are. even try to say it. Okay. You know, know you guys know. About. It starts with an S, right? And there's a W and a V in there, right? And it was an angel. It was like 10 bucks at the garage sale. I didn't even look at comps. I'm like, I'm sure somebody wants to pay money for that, right? So, I remember picking it up. That thing. I don't even think I sold it. I don't even know where it's at. Usually I have stuff in my eBay store from the very beginning. So it's not even there. I don't know what happened to it, but here's, here's what happened. I thought that was cool. I've shared the story of the Will Ferrell cowboy shirt. 
that I thought was really cool and people are going to buy it. Ha ha. It's funny. But thousands of those shirts were made. There was no value in that shirt. I've also shared a random tourist Hawaiian surfing shirt that I bought that you could get like on any island, like at the tourist shop. Here's the thing. Just because you think something is cool does not mean it's valuable. Okay. That is so big. And the second part, I shared this on TikTok actually. And a lot of people were like, yeah, I wish I heard this in the beginning because it's true. If you're first reselling, right, whether it's retail arbitrage, whether it's eBay, just because you have two items listing, listed, that does not mean those items are going to sell, right? You, you need to have a certain amount of inventory and there is no magical number. Sometimes it's 50 items. Sometimes it's 100. It all depends on what you have now. If you have hot items, right, those should sell right away. And if they're not selling right away, then you have to take a look at your prices, your pictures, your return policies. Even your feedback might hurt you. You may be a brand new seller and you're like in a bolo group or something and you're sourcing these hot items, but you're not getting the sales because you haven't brought that value to the buyer that says, hey, you can trust me. You can buy with confidence because if you have, you know, zero feedback, 10 feedback, they're not going to trust you. So that's the other thing, right? And you can build that feedback by either A, buying cheap items from somebody and then they give you good feedback or you can sell cheap items that sell fast and build your feedback that way, right? So there's different ways, but you you have to build that confidence. You have to build that inventory. And again, like Mike said, you just, you need to be careful. You need to find, at first you go wide. Right. You research everything that you can find. Like Mike, if you listen to our first episode, we went to garage sales. He was looking at all kinds of stuff. I would have never looked at and he found profitable items. Right. And then over time, you begin to close in on what is really good. What is what is it that you like to source? What is it that's profitable? And then you begin to build your eBay store or your Amazon inventory. But hopefully that gave you some beginning tips. Again, check episode 120, parts one and two for that. All right, next question here. How many months of salary should you have saved before you go full-time and quit your job? <laughs> I feel bad. I just talk so much. Okay, we have an episode for that. I'm going to find it while we talk. But here, here's the thing. I'm a big believer. I'm, we're super conservative. We did a, a whole episode, conservative fiscally. We did a whole episode on total money makeover a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Seems like forever since we did that, right? But Dave Ramsey in there talks about the need to have a six month emergency fund. He says three, but six is ideal. I would say if you're reselling the most ideal is a year, but that's real. That's a lot of money depending on what you work, right? If you, if you work at a job that you're only making 20 to 30,000 a year, maybe part-time, you know, and you want to go full-time, then you got to double that, right? Because you got to cover your, your other expenses because you're going to lose that income. Right. Did I say that right? Yeah. And I think another I think 6 months is a good a good rule of thumb when it comes to any kind of savings like that. We talk total money makeover, $1000 emergency fund, uh then get, you know, a month and then ultimately try and get that 3 to 6 months, 8 months, whatever it is for the type of field you're in. 6 months is like a good number. What I would say though too is on top of having 6 months of your expenses covered, and remember, your expenses might be a lot lower than you realize, right? Because if you were to cut down to bare bones, your expenses might be less than what you're making right now. So you can kind of, that six month might not be a six month salary. It might be six months of expenses. So that's one way of looking at it. But the other thing is I would say you probably should have at least 
um, a good solid year of metrics that you can look at of trying to sell close to what you'd be doing full time. So I think that's that's wise. Yeah. So if you and the reason I say a whole year is because you want to see how your type of selling your store, your inventory does in all of the seasons. And so, you know, okay, well, I'm going to have a, a dip during this time of the year, but I'm going to have an increase in this time of the year. So you have that information because then if you've got six months saved up, plus you've got a year's worth of, of metrics that you can look at, you can say, hey, I can go full time today. The money I'm making off of my store is going to be able to cover a month of my expenses each month. So I'm, I'm good. I don't have to tap in. So the idea of that six months saved up doesn't mean that you're living off of that money. You should not touch that money unless you absolutely have to. So you should have not only the six months saved up, but you should have clear indication that you're going to be able to cover your very first month off when you go full time based off of the the income coming in. If you're already tapping into that savings as you're going full time, I think you're you're potentially on the road to a lot of problems. Yeah, agreed. And the other thing is you had mentioned expenses Salary isn't enough, and you brought this up, but you have to think about health insurance. Now you're going to have to cover your own health insurance. So, for example, for myself, I pay a hefty amount. I pay about $600 just for myself every month in health. That's just health insurance. That doesn't even include dental, right? Doesn't even include, let's say, you have life or term insurance through your employment. Uh, you also have to think about retirement. I mean, there, there's a lot of hidden expenses that your salary you know, your salary, if you're thinking about just income, you're probably just thinking about your take home check, but you're not thinking about those other parts in your paycheck. Deferred income. Deferred income that your employer's already putting money in there that you're not even thinking about. So definitely think about that. We do have an episode about that too. If you go to episode 128, we go into depth about that for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. So hopefully that helps you out. But yeah, six months is safe. One year is ideal. And one last thing I want to add is you also have to think about capital, right? Do you have capital? Do you have money that you always have available in case there's a deal that you need to make? So check out again, episode 128 for more information on that one. Oh man, I got to tell you, it, it, t- it takes time to go full time, right? It takes time, but you want to do it right because you, I would, I haven't been there, but I've always worried like, what if I have to go back? Right. I want to go back because I want to. I don't want to go back because I have to. But there's nothing wrong going back if you have to, by the way. You know, just that's life. Like you do what you got to do. All right. Our next question here. How come resellers allow death piles? I like this one. When I first started, I couldn't understand. And now I'm here with two death piles. LOL. I thought that was a great question. I think it's great that like there's an actual number of death piles that they have. Like <laughs> there's two of them. So it's not just like a big death pile, but like they've quantified this is one whole death pile and it's full. And now I need to start a new death pile. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's good. I think I think uh, there's two reasons. One, uh, and I think it has to do with human nature. One, I think we're lazy. And I'm not saying like you're lazy for having a death pile, but I just think that is a reason that people end up getting death piles is because there's a certain part of our human nature that that doesn't want to tackle the hard thing every day. And a lot of times for for many things like listing is the part that's not fun. And then that, that leads to the other part is I think we as humans are also easily excited, right? The excitable nature of us goes and we find something else that that's interesting that we can go buy. There's more profit. And so our attention goes off of the thing that's maybe more 
time consuming, a little more monotonous, not as exciting to the thing that's exciting, right? I want to go back to a thrift store. I want to go to a garage sale. I want to go back into a Target and scan items and find that next big sale. So uh, I think that those play a big part of it. Uh, and then I just think too that pe- sometimes your interests change, right? So when I first started, I was picking up VCRs and listing them all the time. Then after a while, it wasn't as exciting to list VCRs. And then I stopped. And then now I still have a bunch that I haven't listed. And it's not even so much that I'm lazy or excited. It's just that I've, I've ch- my interests have changed. And now I'd rather list different things. So um, I think those are some of the reasons why we have death piles. And again, this isn't saying like, you're wrong for doing that because I have a death pile or Londa has a death pile. Who, I think who I think everybody does, right? There's only two resellers I know that do not have a death pile. Two out of the thousands of millions. Now, obviously, I don't know all the thousands of millions. No, I think it's a great question. The obvious answer for me is as resellers, we like finding stuff. We like the sourcing part, right? It's the other part, the menial part, the, the pictures, the listing, the, if you're doing clothing the measurements, you know, all that is just, you don't want to do this is why I've shared the story before when I had a helper and I might get a helper again, I'm debating it, but I remember my helper going, you know, I end up doing, I don't like the things I'm doing. Like I'm doing pictures and I'm doing measurements. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm paying you. Right. But it's true. Like if, if, if it's a major problem, if death piles are a major problem, like you're, you've got sourcing down and you're making it happen, maybe it's worth it getting a helper just to help you move along, right? Because that is something that helped me out a lot was I got into this moment where I had so much inventory coming in and I was trying to do Amazon. This was actually two Q4s ago that it forced me to get a helper around September, October, and it just changed everything. I mean, my, my listings went way up. My efficiency on Amazon went way up. And then it allowed me to catch up. Now, the longer I'm reselling as a full-time reseller, the greater I see the terrible effects of having death piles, right? We've talked about this, that it's, it, you're losing money, right? Some of the items I've sourced, now it's it inadvertently I've had items that have gone up in value because I haven't listed them. But most of the time it goes down in value. And plus it's cash flow right? That you are cutting short, right? That money could have been turned over to buy more items to keep building. But ultimately, it the the, the philosophical question is, I think we like the new shiny objects, right? We get tired of things. I mean, we've talked about electronics. Like even today, when I was garage selling, I saw like a, a Sony amplifier and I saw all these other things. And I'm like, I can make money. But then I was like, nope, like I, I don't want that because it's just going to sit around. And I call them death stacks. I did pick up a keyboard today, which I regret picking up, but that's another story. So, so anyways, Hey, to go along with that, did we cover a question about organization last time? I think so. Did we like somebody said they had trouble organizing? Okay. It's not on here, but it just hit me. So I want to answer that question off the record (laughs) or on the podcast. So somebody had asked, somebody had said, I'm having a terrible time organizing. I I don't know how to get everything in place. What do I do? And I had a I had a random answer to that because if it's very overwhelming, right? So you think about it. You're a brand new reseller, right? In the beginning, you've said this before, you start with one tote. Not that bad, right? You have like 10 clothing items, they hang in a closet. Six months down the line, you still haven't started an inventory system. Now you have 10 totes. Now you have a closet full. Now you have random knickknacks. Now you're like Orlando and you have stuff on top of your kitchen cabinets. 
you have stuff in your laundry area. You have random stuff stashed throughout the house. And then when things sell, you're spending all this time trying to find that stuff. Here's my solution for this. Pay somebody. That's my solution. And I'll tell you why. So I had about, I want to say 1,200 pairs of shoes before I hired my helper. This was a different helper. And they were in totes. They were in those Costco black and yellow totes. And every time something sold, it was an ordeal. Like you know, Most of the time I could remember what part geographically in my home the toe was, but I didn't know what tote it was in. And it just seems so overwhelming having to pull up the custom SKU label for every single item and, and having to insert it. So I just paid somebody and I, I paid them, you know, in California, you know, things cost a little bit more, but it cost me a little bit, but in eight hours, they're able to organize everything. And this is why they're able to do it a lot faster than I could. One, it was fresh. It was, it was brand new to that individual, right? This wasn't, like they didn't feel the effect of the death pile. They didn't feel the effect of lost inventory. Like they weren't burnt out. Right. If if you're asking about like Orlando, it's so overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Part of it is because you may be burnt out because you've wasted all this time. And I'm not pointing a finger at you. This is this was me. I wasted so much time that it just I couldn't even look at stuff. Like I would get anxiety every time something sold and I couldn't find it. The second, the second reason is. That is the only focus of that person that you hire on to do that, right? You still got sales, you got customer service, you got shipping, you got returns, you got all this going on. If this is the only thing that this individual needs to do, they're going to be way faster organizing that inventory, mm. right? And then, and then last of all, you could do a whole lot more during that time, right? You're not losing that time, right? That's the easy one. So it may cost you, but you may end up, better off because instead of using that time to organize, you're sourcing, you're listening, you're doing whatever, and you're bringing profit in. So think about that. If you feel really overwhelmed with your, your organization, because I'm, I'm actually about to hire a helper just to organize stuff again, because I actually started doing it and I'm like, and, and uh, my storage unit's all organized. That's not the problem. The, I have a bunch of stuff in my own home that isn't organized and I haven't lost any, anything, but I'm trying to get everything out of my place. But in order for it to get out of my place, it has to be organized. I don't want to just shift a huge pile of stuff from one place to the other without it being organized. So just something to think about. Yeah. Do you want to add to that at all? Was that out there? I thought it was an easy solution. No, I think that's good. It, it just cost you yeah. money though. So, and we also do have an episode on helping you organize. If you just, you'll have to scroll. It's on there. I can't remember right now what it was. Uh, but it was it was very big about being efficient about your time and staying organized. And you know what I might do in the YouTube? You know how you put the questions that we answer? Mm -hmm. I might go through each of those and just put what episode to look at. So, oh, nice. so take a look in the comments and go, hey, it'll say, check this episode for more information. And that'll help. So, all right. You want to you start off? Like it's like a table of contents yeah, for uh, our episodes. What if we could be like big like Gary Vee and have our own like uh, database of our content? Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? I think if one of you cool. guys wants to help us with that, let us know. No, All I right. think, you know, he built it where like you put in keywords and it'll draw you to the exact YouTube video. That crazy. Yeah. That's a lot of work. If you, if you guys know SEO or you're a, a programmer or something and you want to jump on the Pure Hustle podcast team, uh, NBA, yeah, a volunteer. 
that would be awesome. A volunteer. All right. So All right, the next let, question. Let's do the thermal printer one. All right. Because you got one. Yep. All right, Mike, which thermal printer should you buy or do you recommend people buy that gets the job done easy and cheap? Uh, I got a Rolo. Um, I really like the Rolo printer. Um, they have, I think there's what, like a Zebra and there's another one that's kind of popular. The Dymo. Dymo. Yeah, Dymo. Dymo's the one that no one likes. Really? No one yeah. Like, that, yeah, that was like, it was more expensive. I bought the Rolo because it was cheaper than the Dymo. Um, and it's it's been great. I mean, I've got no problems with it. It's been running for like a year and a half now and we were printing several labels every single day. Um, and, you know, batch printing is great. It just brrr, you print out all 20 it's of them. Like, brrr, it's like, yeah, in like two seconds they're out. And then, yeah, it's super nice, super cheap. Um, and, and the thing you got to realize is you could probably go to a, a thrift store or garage sale and get a, a pretty cheap printer. Um, but the amount you're going to save in ink by using a thermal printer is just, it's it's going to pay for itself really quickly. And beyond that, the the ease and speed you do run into some issues if you're buying through like UPS or something on your own, or you're not buying it through um, through eBay. Because for a while we were doing, we were purchasing labels through UPS on a separate website because we had like a different deal, and we had to like it, it didn't actually go into the printer, so we had to like snapshot the 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 label, and then we had to print the snapshot, and so that would take a little bit of time, uh, but it was still worth it for the amount of money we were saving. But now that that eBay has UPS and FedEx contracts that are pretty amazing, I think. Um, it, we're buying all of our labels through that. And yeah, it's it's quick, fast, and easy. Yeah, and to add to Mike, I like my... So I have a roller printer. I just have a private label roller printer. It's the exact same printer. Except mine, it just has a... It's like a clone. Yeah, it just has a technical name. It's like the MF18 whatever. Like It doesn't even have like a brand name. It just it is what it is. Now, I bought that a special deal that College Picker had shared on Instagram. I paid like 75 bucks for mine. If you go to our bio in our... And if you go to the link in our bio, there's a place that says Amazon supplies or supplies that we get through Amazon. It's in there. I believe the Rolo and the one that I use is in there. Uh, you can sometimes find deals. Like if you use Honey, like Chrome extension, that's how I believe Eric the College Picker found that deal and shared it on Instagram. But I, I've loved mine. Like I'll never go back to ink. I'll never uh, go back to laser even, you know, my, my toner. I still use it every once in a while for different things here and there. But it's nice because two years ago, we would have had a different conversation because Amazon wasn't set up for thermal printers. Uh, you had other sites that weren't, but now everything is set up. Yeah. And the other thing too, is if you're doing Amazon uh, and you have a really good, or even if you're not doing Amazon, but if you want to have a, a, a more professional organization system, you don't have to just do the like four by six labels through those printers. You can set them up to do the little one inch, one inch by four inch or one inch by three inch labels. You can run those through like the thermal Rolo printers and make your own barcode. So you, if you had a scanner, yeah, the labels. you can do your own labels. You can, you can put your own information on there and put them on baggies. So if you've got, if you've got like poly bags with stuff in them and that way, if, if you were scanning things, you've got to have a thermal printer for that kind of stuff. It just makes it so much easier because then it's peel stick. Um, and if you really want to take your organization up to the next level, um, that a, a printer like a Rolo or a Dymo, even it sounds like those aren't so great right now, but uh, <laughs> those are going to help you a lot. Now, here's even next level. There are some people that sell, let's say on, on Amazon, eBay, an item that doesn't have the manual, but there's a PDF version. What they'll do is they'll print out the instructions of how to get that manual and they'll put it on, like they'll put it somewhere in the package. 
right? So it cuts down on returns, especially on Amazon, uh, because people are like, hey, it doesn't come with the manual. Well, here's the manual and here's how to set up and you're good to go. Really helps a lot when you're dealing with DVD recorders or dual decks, because some of those, like there's certain buttons you have to press for things to record and so on. And a manual is really helpful. So that's been a tip that other resellers have shared before. I thought it, I thought it was great. And you can do different, you can do all kinds of things. You can actually put like a feedback thing on, you know, you can print on your thermal label about, Hey, if you're unhappy, please contact me. I mean, there's so many avenues. So yes, I am team thermal printer. Now it took uh, only eight years, but that's where I'm at now. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey everyone, ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code all in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers two five. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code Pure Hustle 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, and we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your, your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. All right. Next question. Uh, this one is... Where do you find out if eBay collected sales tax and how it affects your bottom line at tax time? All right, I'll take this one. This is a really easy one. So this was, I can only speak about California. So you'll have to find about your own state. But in California, since October 1st, 2019, eBay and Amazon collects all the sales tax. All right, as far as I know. Now, I'm going to throw a disclaimer. Consult a tax professional. I could be wrong. 
Again, consult a tax professional. I could be wrong. But from my understanding, that's how it was. I remember having to calculate last year my sales tax all the way through October 1st. And then I didn't have to worry about the rest of the time because that was already being collected. So so the work's already being done for you. You can just, just Google. Just Google how does eBay collect sales tax? How does Amazon collect sales tax? And it'll tell you what states and what marketplaces are covered and you'll be good to go. But again, consult a tax professional. Okay. I thought that was pretty easy. Yeah. All right. Hey, before we move on to our next questions, uh, hey, if you haven't been watching us on social media, uh, we are on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook as Pure Hustle Podcast. We are on Twitter as Pure Hustle Cast. You can also find us on YouTube. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Uh, as Pure Hustle Podcast, hit that notification. Uh, and But first, you got to hit that subscribe because now we're at 4,000 subscribers. Woo-woo. So thank you, everyone that has supported us and has subscribed. I appreciate you all. Our next goal is 100,000. So yes. help us get there. I don't know. I You know, it's funny because you watch some YouTubers and like, they have like four or five thousand. You come back six months later, and they're like, like at fifty, sixty thousand. That'd, that'd be cool. But you know, I know we're a podcast, so we thank you all that that watch us on YouTube because it does help us. Uh, also, you can always give us a call six one nine seven three eight eleven seventy. That's six one nine seven three eight eleven seventy. Or shoot us an email at purosapodcast at gmail.com. That's purosapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for leaving those iTunes review. They are very, very helpful. Help us in the algorithm and when you write them out it helps other people to see what kind of content we have right because sometimes you guys say hey love to level up book reviews and sometimes people are looking for book reviews right we have some people that listen to our podcast and you know who you are and we're grateful for you that don't even resell they're just interested in what we do they're interested in our level up reviews and pretty much almost all of you are because of reselling. And if you mention ways that, you know, the podcast helped you along in eBay or Amazon, that's always helpful to other people that are trying to find the podcast. And as always grateful uh, for the shirts that have been bought because it, that again, helps our bottom line and in, in creating more content and the donations through buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. Seriously, some, I, I've been able to, by you know, full on multiple cups of coffee. So it's it's been actually diet do. People had mentioned like you should change it to buy me a diet do. Actually, we could do that. Like you can change it to buy me a diet Mountain Dew. But the reason I didn't is because the icon was still be a coffee cup, and I'm like that looks kind of silly. Yeah. But I think it'd be cool. Maybe maybe we should just have our own website. Somebody's gonna buy a domain name. It's okay. We still have purespodcast.com. That's right. We're we're good. It's worth money too. Like we should sell it one. No, we shouldn't sell it. We're going to use it eventually. We're going to use it eventually. Hey, if anybody does any website design or has any, anybody that can, you know, move us towards, let us know. Let us know. We're also interested in that. Now we're going to hopefully get hit by legitimate people. Cause whenever I say something like that, we get hit by all kinds of spam, like on the DMs. It's kind of crazy. So, so anyways, thank you so much. And so by the way, if you want to help us and partner with us, you can have a membership set up on buy me a hustle, buy me a hustle. Buy me a hustle. <laughs> Buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. $5 a month, just the cost of a, it's actually cheaper than the cost of a Starbucks coffee, I think. Is it? Uh, I don't even know. I don't go to Starbucks, but it, it's affordable. So anyways, and, or you can just, you know, say, Hey, Orlando, I want to get you, I would say three, two liters of diet do for five bucks. Yeah. So that could work. Anyways, thank you all for your support. Appreciate that. All right. You want to tackle this next question? What's the next question? I don't know. You have the paper in front of you. <laughs> My computer went down. So, um, 
We got a lot of them here. Um, okay, so one of them says, should we be listing summer stuff on Poshmark? Uh, what about sharing them? Um, I I haven't done Poshmark consistently in a while, so I'm probably not the best person to ask about Poshmark. Uh, but what I would say is, for whatever reason, retail has always kind of sold the season before, right? So if it's fall, you know, they're selling winter stuff. And if it's winter, they're selling spring stuff. So you kind of got to keep that in mind too. Sometimes that might play in your your favor. Maybe it's winter and stores aren't selling as much winter stuff. And so selling winter stuff, that might be like a good time for it. Um, but as far as, okay, let's say it's you're a couple of seasons away. Should you still be listing those things? Should you still be sharing them? I don't know. I would look to see what, and I think sharing is the real concern. I don't think there's anything wrong with listing something because it, then it's up, it's good to go, and it'll sell eventually, right? We're, we're totally fine with long tail. Yeah, year round, people are yeah. looking for those items. Now, as far as sharing, um, if you've got a huge store, let's say you've got thousands of items on Poshmark and you only have so much time during the day to, to share, I would say it might be worthwhile to do a little bit of market research and figure out what types of items are selling right now. And if summer items aren't selling right now, or if it's the summer and winter items aren't really selling, then maybe don't prioritize those on the, the sharing. But if you've got the time, share everything, right? Share everything. But if you have to choose, share the things that are most likely to sell in the season. I think that would just be probably my advice as far as how to make the most use of your time. But it's never a bad idea. If you can pick up summer items cheap during the winter, absolutely pick them up, list them. Um, but if it's going to take too much time to share them and you're going to not be doing other things that are more productive, maybe hold off on sharing them until it gets closer to to them being like selling time. So I have an unpopular opinion when it comes to this. I, I say list it on eBay. <laughs> like you can share it on Poshmark all day, but the amount of buyers on eBay in comparison to Poshmark, it's, it's, it's not comparable, not comparable at all. And on top of that, right, you can sell globally on eBay where you can't do that on Poshmark. Right. You can sell at different places, but Poshmark is still developing that where you can actually get individuals that are in Australia when, you know, summer may be done here, but summer is a start in Australia and you'll have some Australian buyers that are going to look for summer stuff. Right. You may have people in other parts of the world that are trying to buy summer stuff in the winter. So it behooves you to cross post. Right. And there's great programs that, you know, we talk about here, like list perfectly. And we also have Vendu and so on that allow you right to cross post. So that's my recommendation because that stuff sells year round. But if you're only limiting yourself to that platform, which I have nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with Poshmark, but Poshmark has its limits as far as the amount of buyers and the stretch of how far it can reach as far as the potential buyers that you can have go to eBay. Yeah, the, list on eBay. The caveat, though, I'd add to that, though, is it depends on what you're selling, right? Like, if you're selling Hawaiian shirts or a lot of the types of things that we sell, yeah, eBay is going to have that bigger global reach. But if you're selling, um, and you got to think of clientele, right? The clientele using Poshmark is usually probably like 18 to to 25-year-old uh, women is probably the, the number one uh, demographic that's using Poshmark. And so if you're selling Lululemon, for instance, or another brand that might be popular in that demographic, um, it that that demographic might not be as widely reached on, um, on eBay or other platforms. So you got to consider that. So Poshmark might be the best platform for the items you're selling. Certain specific items are going to be there. So, um, but yeah, eBay for probably most items is going to be a much broader reach. All items. 
182 million on eBay, 50 million on Poshmark. It's not, it, it's Yeah, but, but demographics matter though. 182 million or 50 million? The demographics still matter. Yeah, they do. No, and it's global. Yeah, but the demographics still matter. Like, let if, us know in the comments. If, if, Are you team if, eBay or team Poshmark when it comes to summer items? If, well, it's not just summer items, but like if 20, if, if, if your demographic of the item you're selling is 20 year old women, like if that's who's buying the clothes you're selling, and the, that demographic isn't represented as highly percentage wise in that 180 million on eBay, but it's like 30 to but 40 it, million but on it's Poshmark. Im- it's impossible that they're not because if you're talking about women from Australia, you're talking about women from South America, you're talking about women from Canada, you're talking about women from Europe. It, it's going it, it, to, yeah, but, but there's, there's no comparison. But you're not selling $20 pants globally that often. Yeah, you could be. Yeah, I don't know. I think demographics matter. Less in the comments, Team eBay or Team Poshmark when it comes to summer items. Hey, I'm I'm not saying eBay isn't the best most of the time. I'm just saying that certain items, the demographic is going to be Poshmark. Let us know in the comments. I'm trying to pull up uh, the global the Poshmark reach globally, but I'm not I'm not finding the info. I know that they were starting. Here you go, Poshmark International. No, these are store names. People have names that are very generic. Interesting. So yeah, so here you go. Here's a question. Can I buy and sell on Poshmark if I'm not in the United States? Poshmark is currently only available in the United States and Canada. This means that you'll need a U.S. or Canada billing and shipping address as well as a U.S. or Canada internet IP. So again, super limited if you're, you're on Poshmark. I, you could ask, ask people in the Poshmark community. Many of them have done eBay because eBay definitely fuels more sales. Now, there's a lot of people that kill it on Poshmark. I'm not saying that's not possible, but the numbers, the numbers far are, are in the favor of eBay as far as the amount of eyes you'll get in front of your products. That's my piece. All right, let's go to the next question. You might be right, but you're not. <laughs> you might be right. All right, uh, man. Now I've lost track because I was looking at all that. That okay. Our next question here is: Oh, this was this was an interesting one. How do you find out what your previous offers were when you counter offers? You know, do you know where to find that? Um, I'm not sure. So that 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 one's an interesting one because you would think it'd be pretty easy. So the only way I know how to find stuff if I go to the app. And I send the counteroffer on my phone right now trying to see if I can send a counteroffer and I can't. All I have is one individual send an offer to. But if there's there's three things at the top and the middle one is completed. If you click on that completed on the app, it'll show you all the counteroffers you had for that individual. Now, you can go on the desktop and you can actually go to your offer and you can click and there's like somewhere on the side it'll show you. I only know the app one because I only do my counter offers and offers on the app, but it's just click on that completed and it'll tell you what it is. Cause I, you know, I wish there was an easier way, right. To find things out because if you get a bunch of offers, like you're, you're not going to remember what it was and then you have to go back you have to figure it out. But that's just my rant along with my rant of, I wish there was a box that you can click to offer free shipping as a counter offer or when you send an offer. Cause that'd be really nice. How many times do people say, Hey, I'd be willing to buy this if it was free shipping. And sometimes depending, you know, if I eat breakfast or not, it bothers me. And other times I'm like, sure, why not? Let's make a deal. You know? So, so hopefully that was an easy one to answer. How about this one, Mike? This is, I don't know if this is a question or this is just one in our opinion. Do you source stores 
with no AC and triple digit heat. Yeah, I think that's someone just letting us know what they've done. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I've definitely been in some stores, um, some hole in the wall thrift stores with no AC, and it's been hot. Uh, and do I make a habit of it? No, no, I don't. Um, I like to be comfortable. Now, if it's garage sale day and it's hot outside, and I'm I'm grinding, I'm hitting garage sale after garage sale. Yeah, it's been it's been triple digit heat, and I've been out in the sun and digging through piles of used clothes and electronics. And it just it smells though. Like yeah, it depends you on do what so, you got to do. So in San Diego, we have tiers of stores, right? I would say, not not trying to throw shade, but like the bottom tier, right, is usually like it's a toss up between Amvets and Salvation Army, right? Would you say? Probably. Right. Sometimes it depends. Some Amvets are super clean. Some are, you're like, what is going on here? Same with Salvation Army. Like there's some locations that it's like boutique-ish and others you're like, this smells like a thrift store. Right. And then, you know, as much as, you know, we throw shade at the store that shall not be named, they usually have AC pumping. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty comfortable. So would I source if it's triple digit here and no AC? I probably wouldn't. But that's because I have so many death piles that I don't need a source when it's that hot. But uh, anyways, yeah, but I've been there. You know, the worst is going to the bins when it's super muggy and hot. It's just gross. I already think the bins are gross. Like, I can't handle the bins, mm. right? Uh, but, uh, and again, I've only gone to the bins probably less than a handful. I'm trying to think how many times. Not not many, not at all. All right, let's go to the next question. Um, I, Mike, how did you deal with text me eBay scammers? Um, I used to like, so this is brand new people. I used to just try and like, uh, keep the, the professionalism up and say like, I'm only gonna, you know, reply on eBay or, or do things on eBay. But now I've just moved to ignoring. If I, if I think if somebody, <laughs> if somebody's message to me seems like they're a scam, uh, or a scammer, I'm not going to respond to it all. Cause I'm not going to take any of my time to acknowledge what they're doing because it's not going to convert to a sale. And if it does, it's not the kind of sale I want. Right. So I'm just going to ignore any type of, of things that seem to be shady. Now, maybe there's an exception where something comes through and it just seems like somebody's got a bizarre question or something. I'll, I'll deal with that. But um, I, I don't, I just don't waste my time with it anymore. I ignore it. Yeah. I mean, I, th that's it. And the key thing is you can also report, you can report buyer, you can send the message to eBay. Uh, the easiest thing is ignore it, which is probably the best thing to do is to ignore it. Cause sometimes you may got, get caught up if you messaging might message the wrong thing, you know, that could happen. Ignore it. And then Google eBay blog bidder, and then click on one of the links that come up and put them on that list. And that's it. You're done with them. And by the way, if you're a brand new reseller, that's only going to happen for a little while. Eventually they go away and then you'll end up like Orlando and you put everybody on the blog bitter list. Anybody who lowballs you, anybody who doesn't pay you, anybody who sends you messages, uh, you just throw anybody on there because, because you, you ain't got time for that. I just got some, my most recent message is so annoying. Somebody said they couldn't even, they couldn't even pronounce, like they couldn't even spell the words that they were saying. It was, it was so, it was so annoying and frustrating. So Think, think about now and see, now I'm giving this person time. Now I'm giving them person time. I'm, they are living friend free in my head right now. Unbelievable. Right. They sent this a message. They fake. How can you sale that prices laughing emojis? Like, bro, like, can you even like construct a sentence? You're going to throw shade at me. So I just blocked them and I brought up on the podcast. So he got what he wanted. All right. Anyways, that's how you deal with scammers. Okay. 
All right, question. Next question. How do you tackle eBay in a giant stamp collection? Any recommendations? Great question. So, first of all, I would say you want to take a look at what is the best way to profit on all of them, right? If if you have time, that's another consideration too. So, you can go one by one, right? But that's going to take you a long time, right? Unless it's a hot stamp collection, right? You could lot them all up, right? And and move them faster. You have to figure out what is the best way. It, de- it, de- it all depends. What I strongly recommend, you also take a look at other listings and see also how people are doing it. Are they doing free shipping, right? Are they doing expedited shipping? That should play a part. But the biggest part is how are people maximizing their money? Because sometimes individuals like they'll list it, you know, individually, 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 and people are only looking for like two or three stamps. And then you're stuck with all these other stamps you're not going to make any profit on. Right. And I'm talking, it doesn't have to be stamps. It could be toy figurines. It could be, you know, whatever, whatever is a collection of items. At other times, if you lot them up, people, it's kind of like you, you provide like a, a, an access point. Like in order to buy the one that you want, you have to buy all this other junk from me too. Right. So you throw that into the price and that happens all the time. I get hit up all the time. Like, Hey, are you willing to separate the lot? You know, I only want this one. And I tell them, sure, no problem. It'll just be the same price. Right. And, and, and I've had people buy it still, right. Because they really wanted the item. The reason I do that is I purposely know that that one item is the most valuable item. And if I take that item out, I'm not going to get anything for all these other items. Right now, could I sell that piece individually? Possibly, but usually I bring in that piece and I add the other pieces and then I raise the price. So I have the price of the built-in valuable item and then I have the price for the periphery items that aren't as important. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. That's exactly what I would do. I think that's 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 right. Yeah. We are agreed. Yeah. So yeah, so take a look at that. Take a look at comps. Take a look at the, the way that people are listing them. All right. Have you have you done this? How do you remove price yeah. stickers off the original labels without tearing it? It's 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 super easy. Heat gun. Yeah, heat gun. Heat gun is is probably the best way. Heat gun is the best. So if you and and you got to be careful. It, it takes a little bit of practice. We bought one time. My wife and I did a little bit of a retail arbitrage, and we bought like forty uh, tops, some clothing tops, and they each had like seven clearance stickers attached to like the label and we wanted to get all of them off. And so I had to use the heat gun forever to get all of these off. And, um, you know, there was a couple of the tags that got a little brown because the heat gun was too hot. I was on there. I was getting impatient. But if you keep the heat gun just far enough away, sometimes depending on the type of sticker that's on there, it'll actually turn another color. Like it'll like kind of it, go brown. It depends on like the makeup of the material. Yeah. So what type? Of, so so it might do that. It might turn brown, and then it just comes off. Sometimes it just the glue will get warm. Like you just let it. All you're doing is warming up the glue, right? That's the way you want to think about it. You're just warming up the glue, and then you should be able to take like your finger or something like that, and it should just come right off. Um, another thing that's really helpful are those little scraper things. Scotty peelers. Those are nice. Those are good too. Yeah, so, so all these can be found again if you go to the link in our bio under Amazon supplies or Gugan. Or Gugan works too. I've never used Gugan. That's one thing I haven't used. But uh, check them out. The supplies are there. Now, I will provide an unconventional way that I've been using lately too. Is that most of the time, people don't care if the full tag is there. They only care if the tag is there. 
So I just cut it. So, you know, sometimes you have retail arbitrage items and the price is at the very bottom, like the clearance. I just cut it. And then, you you know, now actually I, I was given that tip by another reseller. Again, we're actually going to have a full episode devoted to like the advantages and disadvantages of social media and reselling. And one of the advantages is some of these tips, like I've been sharing, it's been from other resellers. It hasn't come from my head. Like uh, it's only because other people have said, hey, Orlando, this is how to do things better. Is it okay that I admitted that? One yeah. of the gurus. No, we're know? definitely not. But yeah, cutting is good. I've done, I've cut too. Yeah, sometimes you're just like I'm. I'm done with the heat gun. Yep. I'm done because sometimes out. you're trying to hold the tag and you're like you're burning your finger. Oh, I've burned the, the heck out of my thumb when we when I was doing all those tops. Yeah, my my thumb got pretty good burn on it because yeah, because if you're doing just one or two one offs, it's it's easy to take your time, be patient, and it doesn't take a lot of time. It's really fast. Uh, but if you're doing like thirty or forty items and you're getting to number 28 and you're just over it. And so, yeah, you're not paying close attention. Your thumb has been getting heat the whole time. Yeah. So, you know, cut if you have to. Yeah. And I'll throw one more. If it's an item that's in a plastic casing, right? Plastic's kind of tough, even with the Scotty peelers. What has worked for me really well has been those Clorox sanitizing wipes, mm. right? Because the, the, the strong chemical in there is able to just break down like the tag and you're able to like to wipe off all the residue. So that's been really helpful too. But I only use that as a last resort. I really am a fan of Scotty peelers when it comes to plastic and stickers. So hopefully that helped. Okay, I like this. I, I like all the questions, but I, I like this next one. At what point would you use a second eBay account? We've exhausted our 1K listings and wondering if another store would help with costs. I'll let you get started on this one. Um, man, I don't know. I think I'd have to look at the numbers because I'm not there yet. But I think I think you're probably better off upping into another store because of the extra benefits it gives you. Upping, you mean a subscription, not yeah. getting another store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Upping, upping the, the store subscription to a higher subscription. I think you're going to be better off doing that uh, long term. Because it's like anything. You go to the movies and you pay three dollars for a small popcorn, or you pay oh, three. Worst, you man. pay three. You pay three twenty five for a large, and it's ten times the size, right? But you're only paying twenty five cents more. So it's kind of like that with the store, right? You're already paying a certain amount for the base number of listings and for a, a certain store size. And if you look at the total number of listings you get you doubling your store versus just paying up one more level. Um, but I'm not hundred percent sure there might be a, a, like an awkward cutoff point where having two stores would be equal. I just worry about just the, the extra hassle. Like even if you had saved $10 a month doing it that way, is it worth the hassle of logging in and out of two accounts dealing with the, the feedback on two accounts? I don't know. To me, I, I think I'd rather just have one account with a higher subscription uh, but maybe there's there's reasons why you'd want to have to. Can you think of reasons to have to? Yeah, I do. But I want I'm gonna drive you to Daily Refinement's Instagram. He actually posted on Instagram, I think a week ago. I thought it was really helpful. Now I'm a big believer that you should get a store when you're first starting, like within 50 items, because of all the tools that you get. Chris is very big on numbers, and so he just shares the straight up here's the cost. So he has it broken down like when to get an eBay store. If you have 250 items, it costs you $22 a month. And you should be able, you, you should be profiting 625 profit monthly before you get that. If you move up to the next one, you should be profiting about $1,500 and you should have about 600 items in your store. So take a look at it. It's a daily refinement on Instagram. And there's a post, it's about like a week or two, just scroll, you'll find it. That's just the, the numbers. That's just numbers. That that's, doesn't include 
like the other reasons. So I'm a big believer that the numbers are important. They're always important. But when you're first starting, the tools are really helpful. Being able to do markdown sales, therapy, and so on. Now, let's talk about second account. I'm a big believer to get a second account if there are items that you don't want to have shared. Right. So I'll give you an example. If you're doing a lot of retail arbitrage, right. And you know, you have, you want to keep things separate, right. Cause especially if you're on social media, right. You want to be careful about that. Right. If, for example, I'll give an example. There's an influencer last week that was talking about how, you know, they have multiple accounts and people found their original account cause they bought something from that person. And then they found out what that store was and they went to the store and they started picking off all their RA items and they went sourcing and they undercut that person. Right. So you want to be careful, right? If, if you want to start a niche store where it's just like you sell only this item and you want to be known for only that item that could help too. I still go with the fact that, Hey, when people go on eBay, they're only searching for what they want. Very rarely are like, Hey, I want to go to this store. But it may help. And I know some people have said in the comments before, like, hey, Orlando, actually, we opened a second account for this specific reason. And it's helped because it's allowed people within that Facebook group or that community to go, hey, go to this store. Right. And so people know that, hey, this store, this is what they sell. So those are the two reasons. You know, I myself, I don't any anything that I'm selling on Amazon, I will never throw on eBay. On there. Cause you guys know my store. And so that that would just not be wise on my part because you're going to go like, huh, I wonder why Orlando has this retail arbitrage item on here. And then I put my whole Amazon business in danger. Not that you guys would be doing anything wrong. I'm always a big believer. Like if the information's out there, you're not doing anything wrong by finding it. Like it is what it is. That's how this business works. But you, you want it. You want to be careful, right? You want to be careful. If, if you're on social media and you're doing, we have a lot of people here that do YouTube and they go and they go into resale stores. Make sure you have a second account because you may not know it, but at some point in time, you may share what's sold. You may share a haul. You may share something. Somebody's going to trace back to your store. They're going to know what you're buying. And then you're going to bring a ton of competition your way. So that's why I would say it's good to have a second or a third store or whatever it may be. And also, I'll throw one more thing in there. If you want to source. I don't do it myself, but it has hurt me a couple of times where like I'm buying a bulk lot of stuff and people look at my store and they're like, oh, hey, I know you buy this stuff, da 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 da. And it's been kind of awkward, but it's also been the same principle as when you're a reseller and you show up at a garage sale and you tell them you're a reseller. I've had people look at my store and they're like, oh, I see that you sell this stuff. Yeah, I don't have the time to sell this. I have more. And then they give me access to other items. So, it works, you know, multiple ways, but those are some of the reasons as to why you would open a second account. Hopefully that helped you with that question. All right. And now we are to this. I, I like this one. I like ending on this one right here. So how did you and Mike meet? We, that's like episode one. And then do we have separate businesses or combined? And maybe we want to say why or why not? Mm. Well, we'll start with uh, we definitely have separate businesses. <laughs> why? Why? Because we're separate individuals with our own lives. That is, okay, but I, I want to take it a little bit further. So Mike and I both know, I mean, unless Mike has a second store, I don't know about that he's keeping hitting because he doesn't want me to know what he's selling. But I, <laughs> which is fine with me. I have no problems with that. But this is what I'll say is that Mike and I, we source different stuff. 
And for the, I mean, in the beginning, you were kind of sourcing what I was sharing and what I did. But then after time, you kind of developed your own thing. Right. And I want to share this to new sellers or there's a lot of people that are like, hey, can I get access to your store? Because I want to see what you're sourcing. So I know what to source. But this goes with our last episode. There's a problem with that because you may follow my store and then you're only looking for the stuff that I'm able to sell and your geographic region may not have any of those items. So it's good to look just for, you know, looking purposes, but don't try to imitate someone like it, it, it. It's not it's not good if that's the only thing you're trying to do. Now, it's good to learn from someone because, you know, you learn hey, this kind of shoe sells really well or this kind of item sells really well. But if you're only trying to find just those items, it doesn't help. And, and the <laughs> and the other reason is Mike and I have totally different schedules. Like it's like obnoxious. Like the fact that we're actually able to record podcasts consistently, like that's a miracle in itself. So, and Mike doesn't like, comp- and Mike doesn't like competition either. No, I love competition. I just- He doesn't not, like it with me. I'm just not going to give my competition any edge. I'd rather just win in my competition is what I'm saying. It's so true. It's so true. I'm almost, so this is a story that he shares about with garage sales and how I found a, found a bunch of pennants. I'm all sold out with those pennants. Yeah. Well, I sold the GI Joes. So whatever. <laughs> We're fine. Right. See, see what I mean? If you're watching the YouTube, look at Mike's face the moment I bring that up. So, and that's why we have several business now. How, how do we meet? You want to just. Yeah. So, um, I, I got hired on as a, a long-term substitute teacher at the school that he was vice principal at. And, you know, good partway through the year, a position opened up. And um, so for the following year, uh, I was offered that position. And uh, so I worked as a full-time teacher at the school he was the vice principal at. And I remember, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's a big, big enough place where, you know, you don't really know everybody really well. But I went into your office. I think it was like for, I don't know, some kind of eval. I think you came into my room and like, watch like so unprofessional of me 15 or 20 minutes of uh of of my class or something um and so i was supposed to like come sit down for an eval and like i looked at your your shelf and you had like a board game on your bookshelf and it was just like a risk or something i was like oh i really like that game and you're like yeah and then you said like yeah some of us guys like play board games you know you know once a month or whatever and and you got i got invited to that and you know I think it was like, cause you have people you work with that you can kind of be friends with, but I think it was the fact that like he invited me into like more of like the, like, Hey, like come hang out with the guys type of thing. And that was really cool. So, so oh, I thought you were going to share about like, I just started talking to you about reselling. Yeah. You're talking about how we met. Yeah. Oh, sorry. My bad. My yeah. Bad. Well, I mean, because that's, I was, I was kind like that. Yeah. So the oh, fact totally that we had that, about that, the fact that we had that like friendship. And then of course, because reselling is such a big part of Orlando's life, I'd say like, at least four or five out of every 10 conversations. That's where the unprofessional part came in. Something that he sold or, you know, like we'd be a bunch of the teachers would be at lunch and he'd be like, yeah, I I was at the store and I bought these items. I'm going to sell a ton during Christmas time. And, and everybody would kind of just roll their eyes. And I, 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 my ears would perk up a little bit. Like, sorry, I don't mean to say that Orlando, but it's kind of true. It is true. I'm, I'm fine with it. That's when I knew that reselling was not just a side hustle anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, this is your passion, but I was always kind of like, huh, I kind of, I've done eBay a little bit, you know, when I was in high school, right out of high school, but it never worked out for me, but this guy's doing it. So yeah, I'd start asking him questions. What else did you sell? What are you selling right now? And I'd tell him like, Hey, my wife's coworker found this thing at a store. I think it might be a big deal. So I'd try and t- like give him hints on retail arbitrage stuff. And then, and then before long, Pierce podcast started. Yeah. Your, your first story was the Hatchmo story. 
where you had those friends that like yep. bought a ton of Hatchimals and then they limited the supply. That was a while back. Now, here's the funny. I forgot about that board game story. I miss those days. We played Risk. Was it Risk? And we also played the game where I, I got baned. Uh, yeah. Um, Love Letter. Love Letter. That's right. So, so yeah. So, Mike, Mike and I's friendship goes far beyond recent. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that Risk board game, I still have that. Like that was, I, I thought you were going to tell me that I told you how much it was worth or something. So, okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, Mike's a good friend. Unfortunately, sometimes we only get to meet through the podcast, but it makes for a good conversation. So, hey, hopefully all these questions we were able to answer adequately. And if we were not, there's always a comment section where you can let us know, hey, Mike and Orlando, we appreciate what you shared. But here is what, you know, probably should have been said. We're, we're open to that, right? Because we're all learning together, right? That is a key. Uh, a key. Oh, man, I'm going to ruin the ending here. It's good. It's just like a sandwich. You just got to ruin the beginning and ruin the ending. And as long as the stuff in the middle is fine. There you go. There you go. So anyways, hopefully that helped you all out. We're all part of this great reselling community. Where we're always learning. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late.